Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1038, air date February 24th, 2022. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Shiva Iadura. I hope everyone's having a good evening. Um, it's about 6.15 p.m. on Eastern Standard Time. I wanted to take some time today to provide everyone a systems analysis of what is going on between Ukraine and Russia. It's something I've wanted to do for a while, uh, but I've been very, very busy uh, with a number of other things, with uh, launching our Open Science Institutes, with doing the stuff as we mobilize more and more people to join the Truth, Freedom and Health movement. Uh, the election systems integrity work, our work on Cytosolve, et cetera. So, so my day's been pretty uh, busy, plus with all of our team people bringing stuff together. So I want to wait until people join here. But today, uh, I want to give people, number one, a background on the history. First of all, a lot of people don't even know where Russia is. A lot of people don't know where Ukraine is. So you're going to learn very soon where those countries are geographically. Uh, many, many years ago, when I was in high school, I had a great uh, modern... European history teacher, Mr. Rasignola. And uh, so you're going to learn about the Bosphorus Strait, why that is strategic, particularly the Black Sea. Uh, and you're going to learn today stuff that the news media will not cover because the news media in the United States, both left and right, are pro-global imperialism. They serve their masters in U.S. imperialism and their, and their ultimate masters in British imperialism. So you're going to see that connection. And ultimately, you're going to realize that working people throughout the world, whether it's the American worker or the Russian worker, the Ukrainian worker or the British worker, has nothing to gain by supporting this war. The only people who gain to win are the super, super elites, the 0.001%, who basically doubled, tripled, quadrupled their wealth in the last 16 months by promoting this thing called the pandemic. So I want to do the systems approach so everyone understands this. And we're going to uh, walk through this very carefully. We're going to also look for some questions that if people are interested, um, and we want to have a conversation today. But I want everyone to really, really recognize that you have the forces of British and U.S. global imperialism, which has been wanting to force Russia to bow, and Russia didn't choose to bow. You're also going to understand the hypocrisy of the elites in this country, which talk about you know, self-determination and supporting diversity, that they're the actual ones who've been pushing racism and nationalism, ultra-nationalism uh, in Ukraine against the ethnic minorities there. So you're going to learn a lot today. It's going to be very fully packed. Uh, before I do that, I want to recognize to everyone, I want everyone to recognize, sorry, that our movement, as you can see below, there's a scroll, uh, is a movement for truth, freedom, and health. And this movement for truth, freedom, and health is an educational movement where we want people to get educated or you will be enslaved. You'll get um, lost in not understanding what's right for your health. You'll, you'll, you'll get lost in not understanding how big academia, big tech all collude together. And you'll get lost in uh, not understanding how government and big tech now work together against our freedom. So truth, freedom and health is actually what is under attack. And one of the important things to recognize as a part of this is that our movement for truth, freedom and health takes a scientific systems approach. So we want everyone to get educated on a systems approach. So the analysis I'm gonna to share today, 
you're not going to get from mainstream media. You're not going to get from the grifters. You're not going to get from, uh, you know, uh, grifter, the number one master grifter of our time, Joe Rogan or Sucker Carlson, because these guys essentially watch which way the wind blows. They wait about, you know, six, nine months. And when it's convenient to say something, they will. But what our movement teaches people is that real heroism, real leadership is about saying and doing the right thing at the right time, not when it's convenient and it's popular. Okay. So when it came to the vaccine mandates, now you have every Tom, Dick and Harry against them. Okay. And those people are promoted. But two years ago, our movement was the only movement which called out Fauci, which called out the global elites and the not so obvious establishment. So before I get into the Russian Ukraine thing, I'm, I'm going to play a video for everyone that I want everyone to watch. And I want everyone to become a member of the truth, freedom and health movement in whatever capacity you want. But I do these videos to inspire you to take a systems approach that goes beyond left and right. So let me play this video for everyone. I really call it the anthem video of why you should become a member of the Truth, Freedom and Health movement. I'll be back in a few minutes and we're gonna get deep into Ukraine and Russia. We have allowed our country to be taken over from within and the end goal is you will have a homogenized world where we will become slaves because there is a condition among the elites that really thinks they're better than you deep down inside them, that you don't deserve the freedoms you have. They don't. Okay. This reality is what people need to wake up to. And we need to all unite working people. There's only one movement that can do that. Mm -hmm. And that is the movement that we started creating here in Massachusetts, the movement for truth, freedom and health. Look, I've been a student of politics since I was a four-year-old kid, studying revolutionary movements, left wing, right wing. There is a physics, there's a nuclear science to destroying the establishment. To build a bridge, you need to understand Newton's equation. You need to understand the laws of gravity. You need to understand Poisson's ratio. There is a way to build a revolution. And that's why I put this together. My goal is to train a army of truth, freedom and health leaders. We don't need followers like social media. We need leaders, but they, they need training because the educational system does not teach them history, nothing. So in three hours, that's what I've started doing. That's the solution. We wow. got to train people. First with understanding what a system is. The second is understanding the interconnection between truth, freedom and health. Freedom is the ability to move freely, communicate freely, right? Talk freely. Without freedom, you cannot convert ideas, hypothesis into truth, which is science. And without freedom, you can't really get to truth. And without truth, you make up fake problems and fake solutions, which means you destroy our health. And without health, which is the infrastructure of us and our body, you can't fight for freedom. Third concept is it has to be bottoms up, working people, people who work uniting. And what the right wing has done is whenever you say working people unite, that must be communist. Meanwhile, they've let the Democrats run unions, which suppress workers, completely corrupt. But when you look at the arc of American history, it's been when working people came up. We need to go local. Every solution I'm coming up with as a part of this movement, we're giving the science, which is the truth, and then we tell people what they can do on the ground. Like with election fraud, you don't need to wait for some lawyer. Our goal is to train people, Dave, to go local, to go local, to go local, fight locally. Forget lawyers, forget politicians, forget celebrities. You've got to learn politics and there is a science to it. They lock us down, we should be ready to shut them down. And the fourth part of this principle is a not so obvious establishment. So when you look at a system, there's always something that disturbs you from getting to your goal. Well, the biggest disturbance is a not so obvious establishment which are those people who claim they're for you, on the left and the right, the Al Sharptons who tell black people I'm for you, 
the Tucker Carlson's. Do you think any true anti-establishment person will ever be on Fox or CNN? I don't think so. They both mislead working people back into the establishment. Without this solid understanding of political physics and theory, you're screwed. You're going to follow on the, the left wing, Bernie Sanders. Oh, he said something. Or Robert Kennedy. Scumbags. Or you're going to follow, you know, some right wing talk show host. They're not going to lead us to liberation. It's us. And that political physics, it's a nuclear science of change. Bottoms up. We have to organize to understand that there is people who talk a good game and then look at what they actually do, left and right. I'm sorry, Sean Hannity may say some good things, but I don't see the urgency in his voice to get something done. And it can only come when you weaponize yourself with the right knowledge. You need to be able to identify a rat. You know, Christ didn't go after the Romans, right? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees who screwed him up. His own quote unquote people. And that's where we're at. So these four concepts I've built into a curriculum. People can go to bashiva.com and it's an educational program. We need to train people in political theory. You need to have physics. And I've created that curriculum. People need to get educated. We need to get educated fast. And within a half an hour, an hour, I can teach people two years of MIT control systems. I teach people those concepts. Then I apply it. Anyone can understand it. And then you say, oh, I got to build a bottoms up movement. They have to get politically astute and then they have to go locally and act, not sit there on social media. They have to act locally, defy locally, be, do civil obedience locally, but with knowledge on how to build a movement. And the Senate campaigns expanded to the movement for truth, freedom and health, and they can find it on V as in Victor A. Shiva, vashiva.com. So people can sign in, they can get access to a bunch of videos. If they want to take a course and become a truth, freedom, health leader, I offer a full scholarship there. But we want people to make a commitment that they'll study, that they'll get certified, that they'll go do activities on the ground. So go to VA Shiva, Victory America Shiva, VAShiva.com. All right, everyone, I hope that video was valuable. So go to truthfreedomhealth.com. I want everyone to learn the science of systems so you actually understand how the world operates. And you can apply it to your body. You can apply it to politics. You can apply it to engineering systems. You can apply it to anything. But those in power who are really running the world behind the elites, their intelligentsia, actually know the science of systems. There's about eight to 10,000 people in the world who go to places like Harvard, MIT, Yale, Stanford, the Fletcher School of Government, Oxford, Cambridge, and those elites understand the science of systems. That's why they're able to map things out. And if we as working people want to win and really get truth, freedom and health, we have to understand the science of systems. So it took me about 50 years to organize this into a curriculum. We have a community. We have an entire framework to really build leaders. So please go uh, take advantage of it. So let's jump right into what's going on in uh, you know Ukraine and um, and uh, Russia right now. So let me bring this up. So the title of today's talk is The Truth About Ukraine and Russia, Why British and US Imperialism Want Russia to Bow or War. And it's really a systems analysis. So let me begin by, first of all, uh, to those of you listening on our, we have, we're now on every major podcast. Um, I will try to describe this so you don't have to get online, but first of all, where is Russia, okay? Um, the school systems are so bad these days, I don't think most people know where Russia is. But if you notice where Russia is, it's quite a large piece of 
um, uh, land. It's north of Mongolia. It's um, north of China. And you can see it expands all the way. If you go far east, all the way, you can go, you go far east enough, you uh, get to the uh, straits where, you, you know, Alaska's over here, as you can see, and then all the way into Europe on the west. Um, so let's look a little bit closer now, just to give you the size of Russia. It is the largest, you know, total areas. It's got 17 million square kilometers, 17 million square kilometers. The next largest continent there is Canada, which is up here. Okay, which has got, but it's still half. Russia is double the square uh, kilometers of Canada. Canada has about 9.8 million square kilometers. Russia is 17 million. So just keep that um, in the back of your mind, how big Russia is. Russia is massive. Um, to give you a size of the United States, the United States is about 9.5 million square kilometers, literally about half the size of Russia. And if you go something like, uh, to India, India is about 3 million. So they're basically uh, five or six Indias could fit inside Russia. So Russia is massive. So that's the first thing. Um, if we look at Russia, Russia is composed of many, it's a federation, okay? Um, they have many different ethnic minorities uh, from people of the Mongolian background, people of, uh, you know, uh, European background, uh, all different races and um uh, ethnicities reside in Russia. So you can see these are some of the et ethnic uh, regions of um, typically separated by language. Uh, one of the uh, uh, things that uh, when the Russian Revolution took place, one of the their emphasis, uh, believe it or not, was on this concept of self-determination, that if people wanted to break away and have their own regions, they should have the right to do that. So that's been one of the policies uh, within Russia. But these regions represent that. Okay. So here is, and another way to look at it is you have the eastern region that you can see up here. You have the central region, the, the northeastern fleet, the western and the southern, and those, as I said, map to these different uh, uh, regions. Way on the eastern side of Russia, over here is the area in question. Here's Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine is uh, surrounded um, on the east by western Russia and on the south by southern um, Russia. So let's let's go in a little bit closer here. Um, here's Moscow to the north of Ukraine. St. Petersburg is to the uh, northwest of Moscow. And you can see that um, over here you have the Scandinavian countries, Norway, Sweden, and Finland. Uh, many, many years ago, I had a chance to travel to Finland. It's a very interesting country, but um, obviously there's a border here. Uh, all the European countries are here. You see UK over here, Germany, France, uh, Poland. These are all to the east of Ukraine. Kiev, right here uh, in northern Ukraine, is the capital of Ukraine. Um, and to the south of Ukraine, you have Crimea right here, and you have the Black Sea. And you're going to realize very shortly what this is ultimately about is it, it's about the Black Sea. And I'll talk about that and the Bosphorus Strait. And south of the Black Sea, you have Turkey. And to the south of Ukraine, you have Romania and Bulgaria, okay? So let's go in a little bit. So Ukraine is where we're talking about. And obviously to the south of Ukraine is the area called Crimea. And to the east of Ukraine is this region called Donbass. And that's what we're going to talk about. Now, the Donbass area or region has two provinces, okay, Donetsk and Luhansk. All right. This is the Donbass region where I want to emphasize this, that many in the American media have not been covering this. But that region 
that I'm just, just put up here is been a region since 2014 of contention. So this is the Eastern Ukraine part. This is the Eastern part of Ukraine. This region, the Luhansk region, the Donetsk region has ethnic minorities there who actually feel more allied with Russia than they do with Ukraine. And since 2014, this has escalated because British and US imperialism have been supporting ultra-nationalism in Ukraine and to the people of Donetsk and the people of Luhansk, these people were former supporters of, of the Nazis who were ultra-fascists. And so um, uh, one of the things that happened here, let me go back to this diagram here, is what you'll notice is around 2014, it was under Obama and uh, there was a CIA-backed CIA coup uh, that overthrew a Russian-friendly government in uh, Ukraine, and they installed a pro-Western government, a very ultra-nationalist, frankly, a racist government. So uh, Obama, who talks all about inclusivity and you know helping minorities and all that, he actually supported the, the instantiation or the installment of a racist nationalist group in Ukraine, okay? And that group did not want to support any type of federalism of other ethnic minorities, right? So that happened in February of 2014 that everyone should be aware of in this region. Let me go in a little bit closer here. So just to give you an idea, again, you can see the Donbass uh, region, which now consists of Luhansk and uh, Donetsk. And these are the two areas that the ethnic minorities there said, hey, look, we want our own region. Um, they wanted autonomy. And they were not, they didn't want to, uh, there was various trends in that. Some people said, we want to be part of Ukraine, but we want our own autonomy. And other people wanted full independence. So the United States Act, and that all came out in reaction to Obama, who implemented an ultra-nationalist fascist government in Ukraine. So that's something that needs to be understood. All right. So that's the region that we're talking about geographically. Now, this is what I want to talk about. So you can see... In April 11th of 2014, um, uh, the Ukrainian government failed uh, to break a stalemate with the pro-Russian protesters in the east. And we're talking about that Donbass region. And um, if you recall, a month prior to this um, uh, is when uh, Crimea voted nearly 97%. In the Western media, we were told... Uh, you know, Russia was invading Crimea. Well, the reality was the Crimeans feel very closely associated with the Russians and they embraced when Russia came in. And we'll get to this, but Crimea is Russia's real access to the Bosphorus Strait to move their goods in and out from Russia, you know, out to the rest of the world. But unlike what the Western imperialist media said, including the British media and both Fox and CNN, was the reality was Crimea embraced Russia. And we need to understand these facts. In fact, if you look at the data in a vote that came up um, in Russia, 97% uh, voted to join Russia with nearly 90% turnout. The Western uh, globalists and the imperialists spun that as saying, oh, this was a false referendum. But it was absolutely not true. Uh, by all accord, the people of Crimea wanted and felt links to Russia and Russia recognized the Republic of Crimea as a sovereign state. So that, that occurred in March of 2014. But what I'm sharing here was in April of 2014, uh, what took place was in the Eastern region, 
um, on April 11th, uh, the government of, Ars, uh, if I can pronounce his name, Arseny Yatsenyuk, um, he had promised devolution to local government in the hope of staving off de demands from their independence, which means he was going to give people autonomy, okay? So there was a, a plan to give people autonomy in that region, um, but they weren't giving them really what they wanted, th those people at that time in the Donetsk and Luhansk region, which is the eastern part of um, uh, Ukraine, which is now known as the Donbass region, consisting of Donetsk, province and Luhansk actually wanted far greater autonomy. All right. So that's what was going on on April 11th. The next day, uh, what occurred on April 12th was the eastern in East Ukraine in that region, protesters joined were joined by miners. OK, so here are the protesters in the eastern part of Ukraine for many, many years had wanted their autonomy. They felt like, you know, they didn't really have uh, their own sense of identity. The United States under Obama is the one who incited these people and put in a ultranationalist government there. I mean, what do you expect? These people feel like they're really not part of the Ukrainian peoples. They're their own ethnic minority. So Obama again and the so-called liberal elites who claim they're for, you know, for multiculturalism and they're against racism. Uh, they actually supported a fascist nationalist government in Ukraine, okay? And so the reaction of those people in the Donetsk uh, province and the Luhansk province was in direct reaction to what Western imperialism did. And we're gonna understand why they did that because the, the British imperialists and the US imperialists have always wanted to screw around with Russia, uh, particularly Britain. If you go back to my video I did on World War One, you will realize back to Cecil Rhodes and the British royal families, they don't want any competition. They want to run the world. They want their empires. And if you go back to World War I, you'll realize the analysis I did looking at the one of the uh, Hidden Histories book that was done by two extremely uh, uh, well-researched uh, researchers in Scotland, Scotland researchers, they showed how Britain saw the rise of Germany coming up, saw the rise of Kaiser Wilhelm, and for 30 years, they had a plan to vilify Germany because they didn't want any other powers, right? It's it's one big bully trying to make sure no other guy can come on the block. And that's what Britain has been trying to do with Russia, trying to demonize Putin, trying to de demonize uh, Russian forces. I'm not saying Putin is by any means a great man. I don't know him, but he's just another thug on the block, okay? But the big bullies, the U.S., and, and British imperialists don't want anyone else even on there, okay? So that's very, very important to understand. So um, in this effort, the people of Donetsk and the people of Luhansk, those ethnic minorities said, screw you to what uh, Obama did which, by supporting this nationalist guy in Russia. They started protests. On an April 12th of 2014, those protests blew up to such a point that the miners, okay? Now you have to understand, the Ukrainian miners or the miners in that region are a powerful force. One is where you have protesters, but when working people join these movements, that's explosive. Just like what we've been talking about. It's one thing, you know, a bunch of grifters talking about some issue, but it's another thing when working people build a bottoms up movement. That is where real power comes from. And what you see happened right in on April 12th, 
is that the that the protesters were joined by the miners on these barricades. Okay, so this is very very significant. So as this article in the Guardian said, word spread quickly through the few hundred pro-Russian protesters in Donetsk in east eastern Ukraine. The miners are coming. The crowd parted as a group of a dozen or so burly men in orange work helmets marched past barbed wire and tire barricades into the 11-story administration building, which protesters seized last weekend as they demanded greater independence from Kiev. So that was on April 12th. So this was quite devastating to the to the Ukrainian government in Kiev because here the ethnic minorities are rising up. They want their own independence and they have working people strike. That's when it's dangerous for the establishment, okay? Just like in the United States when the truckers convoy uh, or in Canada when the truckers convoy took place because working people are rising up and that's when the elites get concerned. So that's what happened um, in, in uh, Donetsk in Eastern Ukraine. And as this article says, and this is where the central point is, it says it's hard to rouse the miners. But when you do, there will be trouble, said Artriam, a former miner who was guarding the administration building on Friday night. If the miners all rise up, it will be an economic, physical and moral blow. It will be hard for everyone. OK, so the point that this miner was saying is that, hey, look. If the government uh, in Kiev and Ukraine doesn't want to give us our autonomy, and working people get involved, the government in Kiev has a serious problem, okay? And again, one of the uh, goals of the ethnic minority in Ukraine was, hey, look, we're, we just want our own autonomous region, no different than the United States. We have, we're federalism, right? We have different states. Um, so within Ukraine, they wanted their own state. They didn't want to, um, you know, the, the rational thing that many people are willing to listen to is we still want to be part of Ukraine, but we want to have our own autonomy. OK, so this was all going on. And uh, 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 and the U.S. government is essentially supporting ultranationalism. So what you see here is this is very, very important. And this is why the people of the Donetsk and Luhansk region and the Donbass region were so upset at what the United States did. The reason they were upset and I want to read this quote, it says, we need to fight for our rights and to protect the Donbass from Bandera supporters. I don't like the Kiev regime. This was one of the miners were saying, referring to Stepan Bandera, a second World War nationalist leader who was commemorated with dozens of monuments in Western Ukraine, but widely reviled as a Nazi collaborator in the East. Many protesters see the new government as dominated by nationalists from Western Ukraine, which was a largely agrarian economy. So to the people of that Donbass region, Obama had supported essentially a Nazi sympathizer. And it's quite incredible. Again, the US media never talks about this, okay? So this was really the impetus for the ethnic minority there rising up. Now, remember they border Russia and obviously Russia saw this potentially as an opportunity to support them. But Putin has said that, you know, he was supporting that uh, the people there because he didn't want to see another ethnic cleansing take place. But Russia, you have to understand, did not ever annex them, right? Did not ever, uh, you know, uh, fully go all out. They were always uh, hopeful that the, the group there would figure out their relationship with what was going on. All right. So that's a background. And I'll come back to something you're going to learn also what the Minsk agreement is and what was going on there. So that's that's the background. Now, one of the articles I recommend everyone to read 
I mean, even though I don't recommend The Nation, but there's a wonderful analysis by Anatol Lievin in The Nation. And you can look it up. It's called Ukraine, the most dangerous problem in the world. And I'd read, read this uh, about a year ago. Uh, it was written in November of, uh, last year, uh, sorry, uh, November 2021. And it's a very, very good analysis. I mean, the, it's not a perfect analysis, but it gives you a perspective. And I'm going to share with some of this uh, with you of what was going on in Ukraine. And Anatol actually says that, you know, this is an explosive problem for the world, but it's also very, very easy to solve. And the United States purposely, he says, and Britain is really not addressing. It's almost like they want a war to take place. Okay. But let me share with you some of the highlights of this analysis. Okay. What this analysis basically says is, look, since the Ukrainian revolution and the Donbass rebellion of 2014, which I just shared with you, many of the Ukrainian governments have vowed to recover Donbass. So the nationalists in Kiev want to take back Donbass by force. And despite uh, there being a ceasefire, so there was, um, uh, you know, a, a, a war being waged there. In fact, uh, Obama, Trump and Biden all provided weapons to the Ukrainian forces and the separatists were losing. But there was a ceasefire called in 2015. So that's what he's referring to. Despite a ceasefire in 2015 that suspended full scale war, probing attacks and retaliation by both sides have led to repeated clashes, as in March and April of this year, which was in 2021. And successive U.S. administrations have expressed strong support for the Ukrainian side and future NATO membership, so far blocked by Germany and France, though they have stopped short of promising to defend Ukraine. So let me now bring the essence of this that's going to get to the core of this. Both the United States and Britain have wanted Ukraine to join NATO. Let me tell you how incendiary this is. This would be like uh, China wanting Mexico or Canada to join the um, Chinese Union, okay? But the United States and Britain have wanted to squeeze Russia further by telling them that they, by, by, by incentivizing NATO to join, to join, um, uh, 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 sorry, Ukraine to join NATO, okay? So just let that sit in your mind, what that means. So in your own backyard, which is the way Putin and the Russian people are, would see it, that they want Ukraine to now become a part of NATO, which is essentially saying you're going to become part of British and uh, the force of British and U.S. imperialism, not the, not the forces of the working people of the United States or Britain. OK, so this has been the real move. So the events in Ukraine have been quite interesting because there was an agreement called Minsk II that uh, Anatole Levin discusses in this article. And Minsk II has always been on the table. The Minsk II agreement basically said, hey, look, let's have a situation where, okay, uh, Ukraine, we, we demilitarize, we give autonomy to the people of Donbass, right? Donbass, the, in the region in Donetsk and the Luhansk regions, we give people autonomy. We tell them that they still have to be part of Ukraine, but we demilitarize, and there's no reason to escalate this war. And the United States could easily have, because the United States gives close to a quarter of a billion dollars to Ukraine, use that leverage to tell Ukraine to settle this through the Minsk II agreement. Instead, the U.S. Uh, really didn't do anything. It's almost they wanted this system to escalate. And what Anatole Levin brings up in this article is that the 
the clash, you know, U.S.-Russian clash in Ukraine could be very, very catastrophic. It could lead to nuclear war. Okay, but instead of moving on it, none of these administrations in the U.S. did anything. In fact, it almost seems like they wanted this to be prolonged. So Minsk too has been on the table for a long time. In fact, um, the United States, um, uh, the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, Samantha Power, said. You know, there's a consensus here in the international community remains that Minsk, Minsk II's implement, Minsk's implementation is the only way to end this deadly conflict. So there was al already a framework to stop war. And the United States really did pursue it. It's like almost a want war, okay? And and um, um, so successive Ukraine governments with support from the United States have insisted that Ukraine take full control of the Donbass. So instead of trying to give the ethnic minorities there their autonomy, maybe a federalism like we have in the United States, right? You have California and you have Florida, right? You have different states. To give them that, they have been supporting Ukraine, which wants to really piss off the people in the Donbass region even more. Um, and in fact, they, they incentivize Ukraine not to really significantly do anything. So again, let me just emphasize during 1991, through 2014, there was a relative peace in that area until the United States, under Obama's leadership, supported this ultranationalism. So just keep that in mind. So um, there was fundamentally a recognition to the people in Donbass, in the Donbass region, the eastern part of Ukraine, that the Ukrainian government had no interest in giving them the rights of self-determination. In fact, if the United States imperialists like Obama so are into self-determination. The UN basically says if a country is different language-wise and they feel like they're different, they should have the right to secede or right to have their own nationalism. So Obama really didn't support this, okay? So what is possible here is there is a peaceful solution, which is you basically give those people an autonomy you do what the United States supports of federalism. We have Massachusetts and we have uh, California and we have all these different states. And that's one thing that's on the table, which is give uh, essentially a, a constitution for the Donbass Autonomous Republic. And that would mean that region in Eastern Ukraine, let me go back to that. So everyone understands what I'm talking about if you're joining this, in this region over here, let me go back here. This region would become like a state of Ukraine. Okay, no different, let's say, like Massachusetts. And if this if Ukraine's like the United States, you would make this a federalist state, okay, a federalist uh, country. And the Donbass would have some uh, autonomy. They could have their own constitution, etc. However, the United States does not want this. Neither does Britain, because that region. Because they would get people in this their own Senate, they would get people in their own legislature may vote against becoming part of NATO. Okay, so I hope everything's becoming clear now. Western imperialism, global imperialism, wants to control Ukraine to become part of NATO, and you're going to realize why. And if they gave autonomy to the Donbass region of these ethnic minorities, those people, when they have seats in their Ukrainian Congress or House of Representatives, they may vote against being part of NATO. So the... Successive U.S. governments, which basically do not serve the American people, the working people of this country, they have wanted 
to have Ukraine join NATO because this would be able to help them suffocate Russia more. So they don't want to give these ethnic minorities their own area. In the midst of everything, you know, the U.S. elites talk about, you know, we're against racism, we're, we want diversity, et cetera. So I hope this is clear, okay? Let me see how people are doing on the comments uh, so everyone understands, okay? Is that, does that make sense? Okay, so I think people are getting it. So, so now let me step back and look at this geographically. Um, one of the important things, there's an organization called the Atlantic Council. If you remember when we exposed the censorship infrastructure, we talked about the Atlantic Council, which is a really a think tank, an arm of the British elite. And the Atlantic Council is the one that put together the framework to make sure that governments of the world could have an unholy alliance with big tech. And our lawsuit exposed that. So the United States government can use big tech to, to silence Americans. The British government can use big tech to silence British citizens and so on. And it was the Atlantic Council, which was the architect of that unholy alliance. Well, the Atlantic Council is a one that is advising the elites. Remember, these people understand system science why they should really screw over Russia good, okay? Let me show you the, the reality of this so you understand the geography, okay? Uh, it's really, really important to understand geography. So let me share with you the, um, the screen here that'll show you sort of, I'm gonna walk you through a quick map here, okay? So here is the map of the world, okay? Or the, the region that, in question, okay? So let's walk through this. I'm gonna zoom in on this. So here's, as you can see, here's Russia up here, as we talked about, Kazakhstan and Mongolia to the south. But over here in the east, right here is Ukraine, okay? So let's zoom in on this and you'll understand what's going on. So as we zoom in on this, you see Ukraine and the south of Ukraine is a Black Sea right here. And let's zoom in a little bit closer on this. So as you go into the B Black Sea region, so if, if you're Russia up here, let's go back here, how remember Russia in some sense, if they want to get goods and supplies, Russia's up here to you know to India or down here, you know, it's uh it's a long haul for them to do that. They can go around this way or they can go up through the Baltic. But Russia has always had access. One of the areas is through the Black Sea. So here's uh Russia over here. If you let me just go back up a bit here. So um Russia can have ports in the Crimea, which is Crimea is central to Russia's strategy, okay, of its own existence. And then through the Black Sea, here's Crimea, they can take supplies and goods. Watch this very carefully. If you remember European history, this is called the Straits of Bosphorus right here. It's a very, very strategic importance right here through, this is where Russia takes goods from Russia through Crimea out to the rest of through the Sea of Marmars, right up through, you know, out here to the Mediterranean, et cetera. Okay. Otherwise, Russia has a strategic disadvantage. Okay. So the Straits of Bosphorus are central to Russia. And so is the Black Sea. All right. So I hope that makes sense. So this is why um, uh, Crimea is critical for Russia. Okay. And this is why um, if you look at the Donetsk right here, and Luhansk up here, these regions are also important because this is how Russia can get its goods out of Russia to the rest of the world. 
And to give you the the importance of this over many, many, um, many, many uh, centuries for Russia, or, you know, at least for the last hundred years, let me go back to my PowerPoint here and you'll see um, the, the, let me bring back here. I think here we go. Okay. So let me go back to my PowerPoint and you'll see here, um, let me go back to this. Uh, now, this is an article that came out in one of the think tanks saying the Black Sea should be the Black Sea should be a U.S. and NATO priority. And let me tell you why. Now, why would why would suddenly NATO want to make this such a priority, knowing that it's the lifeline for Russia? Look what this article says. Uh, it says Russia's Black Sea ports, as a country's only warm water ports, have always served its economic interests. For example, on the eve of World War One, right, which is about a hundred years ago. 50% of all Russian exports and 90% of Russia's agricultural exports pass through the Bosphorus, which is that strait I showed you out of the Black Sea. Today, every 15 minutes, an oil tanker makes the same trip carrying Russian or Kazakh oil. The latter, of course, transits Russia, so Moscow receives transit fees. Russia also uses its Black Sea bases, many of which are located on the occupied Crimean Peninsula, to stage military operations further afield, such as Syria. And if I go here, let me bring you this article. Um, I just want to stop this and show you the recent article that came out, a uh, recent analysis that came out by the Atlantic Council. Now, the Atlantic Council is really the, <laughs> is the imperialist real think tank. And if you look at it, look what they wrote just in a few days ago, they said NATO must seize the current strategic opportunity in the Black Sea. And this article really talks about why the Western powers need to really go screw with Russia and to essentially occupy the Black Sea. OK, but this is out of this fascist organization called the Atlantic Council, which, in my view, is an enemy of all working people. The Atlantic Council is the one that created the censorship infrastructure. They're the ones who are behind, in fact, the Belfer School's uh, document on how government in the United States should uh, suppress and silence speech on the internet to anyone who even questions election fraud in the United States, okay? That's the Atlantic Council. So the Atlantic Council is really the masterminds of this system's approach to really choking Russia. Now, again, we're not here supporting one thug over another, but it's clear that you're going into Russia's area and you're going and screwing around with them while the British and U.S. elites claim that they stand for minorities and uh, self-determination, et cetera. So the net of this entire puzzle, when you put it together, is that the U.S. media and, the, and particularly British and U.S. imperialism want to characterize Russia as some enemy when the real goal is to bring Ukraine under the fold of U.S. and Western imperialism and to really surround Russia from all sides. And obviously, you know, if you're a Russian nationalist, you're not going to support that. And so the people of Donbass, the Donetsk and the Luhansk region, who are in fact a different group, are not given any autonomy. So the U.S. could easily still now exercise a version of the Minsk agreement and say, okay, to Ukraine, because we give the U.S. Americans give so much uh, 
nearly a quarter of a billion dollars to Ukraine, they could say, okay, Ukraine, stop it. Time out. Give these people in the Donbass region, make them a state, give them autonomy, give them their own region. They can still be part of Ukraine and we can resolve this. It's, it's totally on. And then at the same time, they can use that as leverage to go to Russia and the UN to say, hey, look, Russia, you can't go militarizing this region. But instead of doing that, they want to actually start a war because the U.S. and the British imperialism's model is a one or a zero. We want Ukraine to be a part of NATO, to choke Russia, or we want nothing. And that's where we're at. So the reality is, I hope this gives you an insight of what's actually going on. And here, um, and I want to share a couple more things with you, but before I go to that, I want to encourage all of you to recognize that the, el the elites and the imperialists the globalists always want to make the world be left and right, pro or anti. So now they're teeing it up to be, you know, pro-Putin, anti-Putin, pro-Russia, anti-Russia, pro-Ukraine. And in fact, the media organizations in the United States have already started putting out fake news saying, oh, you know, if Russia invades Ukraine, it's going to increase inflation as though Russia is to blame for increased gas fuel costs. OK, that's what they're getting ready to do. And we need to wake up and realize that the working people of the United States, the working people of Britain, the working people of Ukraine and Russia have nothing to gain from this war. Nothing. It's basically thugs in the world environment wanting to get pieces of the world and they want to bring working people to support it. That's why we put Workers Unite and we should not be part of this. And by the way, Workers Unite is not a slogan that's owned by Karl Marx. It's a slogan of the American working class, the, the world working class movement that existed long before Karl Marx existed. So we say working people unite. Before I come back, there's a couple of important other things I want to share. I want to encourage all of you to take advantage of the institute we've set up at Truth, Freedom and Health. I want you to take that, but I have a couple of important points to share. Uh, but before I do that, I want to uh, share with all of you the features video on what we have put together we're going to head into war. We're going to have these bogus pandemics if all of you don't learn the approach, the science of systems. So let me play this video and I'll be back shortly. Hello, this is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. Welcome to VA Shiva, the platform of education, technology, and activism so you may raise your consciousness to win the truth, freedom, and health you need to create the future you deserve. The VA Shiva platform provides this truth, freedom, health warrior scholars the following three capabilities. Number one, an ultimate education that is based on the science of systems. Number two, technologies to empower you to take charge of your health, as well as social media tools, independent of big tech, so you can connect with other incredible truth, freedom, health warrior scholars equally dedicated like you to winning truth, freedom, and health. Three, instruments for activism so you become a beacon of light in your online and offline community to educate others, growth, and advancement. VA Shiva provides you the foundations of the science of systems, the ultimate education. The science of systems provides you the missing fundamental scientific knowledge to understand every system in and around you. The science of systems will enable you to uncover the real problem and real solution in any situation and on any issue. Concerning the educational component, first you will receive direct access 
access to me to learn the science of systems in my three-hour live private online group class that I run every week. Second, you will have access to archived lectures so you can continue your education independent of me. Third, you can test your proficiency in learning the fundamental principles and get a formal certification for the foundations of systems. Independent of this classroom education, you will receive also four important books. The first book is the best-selling classic Systems and Revolution from which you can learn all of these concepts and more. The second book is The Science of Everything that will educate you on how the science of systems is the foundational knowledge of every system in the universe. The third book, Your Body, Your System, focuses on how to understand the interplay of these systems within your own body. And then the fourth book, Your System, Your Life, will help you apply these principles to other aspects of your life, such as running a business, understanding relationships, and more. Beyond the curriculum and books, the second capability is the technologies that you will be afforded. One of them is a powerful Your Body, Your System software, which is an online laboratory where you can use your body as a system to further deepen your understanding of the science of systems. The tool allows you to understand what kind of system you are. Is your system on course or is it off course? And how the inputs of food, supplements, herbs, activities such as sleep, yoga, meditation, exercise can affect your body to bring it back on course. Finally, to support your education, I've also included a seminal scientific paper that I wrote which will help you understand that the knowledge of systems it does not only originate in the modern world starting in the 1920s and 30s, but it actually dates back 10 to 20,000 years and intersects directly with the foundations of Eastern systems of medicine. In addition to this, you will also get two scientific papers sharing how the science of systems can also be used to apply to understanding how food is medicine. One paper exposes turmeric from the molecular systems level and how it affects your body. The other paper explores ginger and how that affects your body. That's just the educational piece. As you raise your consciousness through this education, you will likely want to connect with other Truth Freedom Health Warrior Scholars in an environment where you can connect and build community. To support that, I've also created two powerful social media tools. One of them is the VA Shiva Forum. Here you can start discussions, you can pose questions and meet others and have healthy debates. The other is VA Shiva Social, where you can create your own profile, your own presence, like other major social media tools. However, it is independent of big tech. You can use VA Shiva Social to interconnect with your fellow Truth Freedom Health Warrior Scholars and build community. Beyond the education capability and the social media capability, the platform also enables you to take action by disseminating your knowledge on the ground and into your local online and offline communities. Powerful educational cards and research are included so you can pass these cards to your friends and neighbors that provide them summarized content which further directs them to online research and education. In addition to this, the activism component also provides you many, many short one-minute educational video content, memes, and text allowing you to quickly craft messages for your Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and other pages so you can deliver content to educate others and drive them to longer educational posts on VA Shiva. VA Shiva is fundamentally an enabling platform for you to get the truth, freedom, and health you deserve through education, technology, and activism. I hope you become a truth, freedom, and health warrior scholar today. Thank you. All right, everyone. So um, what I want to wrap up with is the following. First of all, uh, right now I'm a little bit late, so I got to wrap this up in three minutes. But every uh, Thursday uh, evenings at 8 p.m. EST, I do an open house and everyone's invited so we can have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And John just reminded me, let me put this up. I'm going to put the URL up if anyone wants to join. Uh, today, where did I, where did I put that? Uh, here we go. Yeah. So I'm going to put it right here. It's truth-vashiva.com slash truth 
slash freedom. I'm sorry, vashiva.com slash truth dash freedom dash health dash open dash house. And I'm just going to post it here also if you guys are interested. But I want to encourage everyone um, to join us there. Okay. That's at 8 p.m. today. That's at 8 p.m. today. We have an open house and you can interact and you can learn more. Okay. But our goal is to train lots and lots of people in the science of systems. So you guys can do this analysis. And our goal is to have, you know, tens of thousands of people all over the world who really can break beyond left and right, break beyond black and white, and really understand how we get to truth, freedom, and health. So um, you can join us there at 8 p.m. tonight. Um, you can sign up and, and it's all free. There's no cost, nothing. So please join us. But in closing, what I want to emphasize to everyone is the following that when you look at the analysis I just shared, follow the money, follow the money, follow the money, follow the money. And what you will see is that ultimately the elites in power are about power, profit, and control. So that's what guides them. They have their intellectuals at institutions like MIT, Harvard, et cetera, who know the science of systems. And they've mapped all this out. Mapping it out means how they're gonna go execute actions, to essentially achieve their gains. At the same time, they have a media strategy. The media strategy is linked to the, the propaganda, how they want to manipulate all of us to join, to join, the, uh, to support their wars, okay? Go back to look at World War I, and Britain is the master of divide and rule, the British Empire, which still controls the world. And now they work with global imperialism. So in Russia, the key thing, the key takeaway is this, that the global imperialists always want total monopoly. They don't even support market forces. They want to be the number one ruler. NATO is a vehicle they use for that. And they never want Russia to have any type of autonomy, you know, in their own region. And definitely in Ukraine, they don't even want the ethnic minorities to have any type of autonomy. So while they talk about they're against racism, they're against ultranationalism and all this, they actually use the forces of fascism. They use the forces of ultranationalism to suppress other people. As I talked about in my earlier video on Afghanistan, the United States and British imperialists have always been supporting, you know, fundamentalism and fascism and crazy people and dictators. So what they did in Afghanistan was to reinstall the Taliban because they found $3 trillion worth of minerals there. And, and they suppressed the bottoms up movement of the Afghan people, democratic movements. They purposely left all that weaponry there so the Taliban could suppress the people of Afghanistan. And that's the policy. So in Ukraine, the goal was to support Zelensky to bring Ukraine to heel so they could become part of NATO. And that's becoming problematic for them because they may have not properly called this and they may have escalated us into a serious war. We'll see what happens. But anyway, I hope this analysis helps all of you. I hope all of you watch this video again, study this from a geographical standpoint. I hope all of you become truth, freedom and health warriors. It's a way that you can support yourself and you can support this growing movement we're creating to go beyond left and right to build truly a bottoms up movement. Anyway, I hope this is valuable and I look forward to uh, uh, the next video we'll be doing shortly. And all of you, again, I put up, uh, join us at the open house tonight at 8 p.m.
Um, thank you, everyone. Be well.